Aha! Guess who's back? Feels good. Um, look, seriously, apologies for not being available for a while. I've literally just been tied up with life things. And also, boxing's been quite flat till the last few days, and it seems everything's gone absolutely crazy. So, feels good to be back. Just want to do a nice short one. And people will understand this one because it's one of the strangest moves I've seen by a boxer, but I fully understand it. You know, you know, the signing of Josh Warrington to Matchroom, to Zone and Sky Sports is being heralded as a major coup. But is it? And let's walk through this from a, from a boxing perspective. I know the headlines are cool and Eddie looks like he's got one over on Frank, yada, yada, yada. Fantastic, right? But take a second, pause. Just chill. Walk with me on this one. Was Josh Warrington the collateral damage in a war between promoters? And actually, you realise, considering what he costs to own, promote, manage, whatever, maybe Josh Warrington's not worth it. And actually, what Eddie Hearn's got is a classic white elephant. Now, it's easy for people to go, ah, here he goes again, anti-match room. But I'll come back to that later. Let's park that for a bit. Let's deal with where Josh Warrington is as of 24 hours ago. So 24 hours ago, Josh Warrington is your IBF featherweight champion. Let's be clear. He's a legit world champion. He's a guy that rose up the rankings. He fought eliminator after eliminator. He fought a champion and beat a champion that we respect. He won that belt legitimately. He's defended that belt legitimately. So Josh Warrington's a world champion. I'm not going to question his right to be a world champion, nor am I going to question his reign because he's done it the right way. Now, that being said, it creates a problem for Josh Warrington. If you look at Josh Warrington thus far, no one's really put a dent in him. We thought Carl would do it. We thought Lee could do something. We thought Keith Galahad could do something. No one's put a dent in Josh Warrington. That makes him a threat to other promoters. That makes him quite scary because until you see the weakness, it's not obvious how you beat him. Everything's hypothesis until you see the weaknesses. And thus far, we haven't seen any. So Josh Warrington is very high risk, medium to low reward. So he can't do the thing of climbing up the rankings to go and challenge the champions now. What he's looking for, essentially unification fights. That's what he's looking for. He's looking to unify and maybe fight for an undisputed title before God willing moving up. But how realistic is that? Blocker number one is Al Heyman. So Al Heyman has two of the belts in the featherweight division. He controls Leo Santa Cruz as well as controlling Gary Russell. Is he really willing to send his guy over to to Bob's slash Frank Warren to box? Probably not. So that's two belts Josh Warrington can't win as it is. That leaves a WBO belt for a unification held by Shakur Stevenson, a top-ranked fighter. He was with Frank, so you imagine that's an easy deal to make. But here here comes the nub of the problem. And we're going to zero in on Frank for a second. Here comes the nub of the problem. Frank would have to invest some of the money in that fight. Like what Bob tends to do is these sort of co-promotional deals where other people share in the risk and they share in the upside and the downside. 
you've seen it in a lot of Shakur Stevenson's fights where, you know, the, the, the co-promoters, I think it's Terry Brown has been involved in that as well. And so Frank would have to put some money in. And for a while that was okay because he kind of had Josh Warrington as a legit world champion and other people took care of the rest. But here's the big problem and here's probably why Frank was okay with Josh Warrington going. This is maybe why Frank was willing to, to lose in the short term to gain in the long term. In about eight and a bit weeks, Frank Warren has to put on Daniel Dubois versus Joe Joyce. For the, ostensibly, it's for the British heavyweight title, but we all understand this is a bigger fight than that. These are two guys who are one level below world level. Do you think both those guys could beat Charles Martin? Absolutely. Do I think both those guys could beat Joseph Parker? Absolutely. So they're that one level below world level. The British title is just a convenient creation. But we're going to find out who's going to move forward towards the world title. This is a very expensive fight to put on. Be absolutely clear about that. Don't get confused. This is a fight where you're having to part with a lot of money. But it creates another problem. You need to be in a position to finance the winner on their run towards a world title shot. What's clear is Frank's backing Anthony Yard and Frank's backing Daniel Dubois as his lead-off riders, in, to use a Tour de France term. They're the guys that are going to bring Frank Warren back to big-time boxing. Getting Anthony Yard into a world title fight is not going to be cheap. Getting Dubois into a world title fight is not going to be cheap. And were Joe Joyce to lose, which I think he will, but, you know, may the best man win. Were Joe Joyce to lose, you'd still want to be able to recycle him to get him into the world title picture somehow. Those three runners and riders are expensive. But all three of those guys will fight in Britain. They're British fighters. Frank will keep them as British fighters for as long as he can. And this is where the problems with Warrington come. Warrington's an expensive fighter to keep. Warrington's not going to fight in Leeds under Frank Warren, and here's why. Bob, from what I've heard, and these are sources who are pretty close to the situation. Bob wanted Frampton, not Frampton, Bob wanted Warrington versus Shakur Stevenson as a unification. Was never going to do it at Elland Road. Because his argument's simple. I've got a kid who's essentially a rookie, less than 20 fights. Yes, he's talented. Yes, he's skillful. I'm not sending him to the United Kingdom, where I don't control all the variables, to put him in with someone in Josh Warrington who's a legitimate threat, who's a scary guy. Let's be honest, at that weight, fighting Josh is scary. There's no upside for me. I'd rather he came to America... And the fight happened here. It gives our guy, the guy we see the upside with, Shakur Stevenson, it gives us more opportunity to win that fight. And it makes perfect sense for Bob Arum. You know, it legitimizes his, his golden prospect. Frank Warren needs the fight to happen in the UK because from, as a UK business, he wants that UK revenue. 
Shakur Stevenson's not going to come over here. So the other option was, how about he fights Carl Frampton? Let them do the rematch. Warrington's camp were like, hell no. We need big fights. We need unification fights. We're about legacy now. That was a pushback. So now, with that considered, why is Bob going to sign Josh Warrington? He's not, he doesn't want to sign Josh Warrington. There's no upside for him. He's not a big name in America, and Bob definitely doesn't want to worry about the logistics of putting on a fight in Leeds. And the fighters won't go. American fighters just do not trust British judges anymore. So now Frank can't really make money as a business of Josh Warrington. Warrington can make a shitload of cash. Yeah, by all means, sell the belt. Frank can't make any money off him. So now keeping Warrington's not a priority over keeping Joyce, keeping Dubois, keeping Yard. Three very expensive guys. The analogy I'd use is it's like a rugby club. Look at Saracens. Saracens basically brought a lot of kids through their academy. And so when they started their careers, they were very cheap. Five years of winning trophies, these players all become very expensive and you can't keep everyone. And that's where Frank is at the moment. He can't keep all of those guys happy. So he's had to let Billy Joe go because Billy Joe is unreliable and you weren't making the money you should have been making with Billy Joe. It's a useful loss to have. Fury, Fury's a Vegas fighter now. Frank can't deliver that. I understand why he's lost him. Frampton just wanted legacy fights and money before retiring. Frank can't offer that. I understand why he's gone. These aren't demonstrations of weakness. It's basically Frank getting rid of his deadwood so he can invest those savings in building the next wave. Yard, Dubois, Joyce. And I know people say Joyce is 34, but career-wise, he's a heavyweight. He probably has seven or eight good fights in him, and they're all going to be top-level fights. And there's a potential, obviously, potential rematch with Joker, which would be reasonably big as well, regardless of whether Joyce beats Dubois or not. So now we have a situation where Frank might be upset that Warrington goes, but he's not that bothered. He can let Warrington go. It's not really a loss for him. It frees him up to work on his next wave and build all these guys like Archie Sharp up. You can now invest more in opponents because you haven't got these old veterans that are really expensive, but they don't fight often enough to justify the outlay. And so Frank solves that problem. So now, now let's look at it. Al Heyman doesn't need him. Bob Arum doesn't really need him. Arum can make Frampton versus Shakur Stevenson. He can make God knows how many fights down that WBO ladder in-house. Doesn't need Warrington. Frank... Focusing on Yard, Dubois and Joyce. Doesn't really need Warrington. Warrington's a nice to have. That leaves Warrington as a boxer without a natural home. And remember, he's a legitimate world champion. But no one's coming to the table with terms that reflect that. So enter Eddie Hearn. Now, Eddie faces a different situation. Eddie's short on world champions. He keeps losing them because the matchmaking at Matchroom zone slash guy is terrible. Terrible. You know, with Matchroom, you sign with Matchroom to give your belt up. <laughs> it's not intentional. It's just the result of poor matchmaking. So Hearn now comes into 2020 saying, I don't believe Kel Brooks still got it anymore. He definitely hasn't got commercial appeal in Sheffield or Yorkshire, to be honest with you. 
The numbers in the arena were poor. Matchroom probably made a loss on that show. So you're looking at Yorkshire going, it doesn't make any sense that you've got Manchester an hour away from Leeds. Sheffield 40 to 45 minutes away from Leeds. York, 25 minutes away from Leeds. Liverpool, hour and 50 minutes, hour and 40 minutes away maybe. So a lot of people can get to Leeds. What big names are there in Manchester now? Not many. Callum Smith in Liverpool, okay. But in that sort of northern corridor, there isn't anyone of any great note. But it's a big... It's a big market for boxing. It's a hotbed for boxing. It's a cliche, I know, but it's true. And her needed a marquee name to anchor that, to say, Leeds is where we're putting these fights on. We've got Terry Harper, we've got Dave Allen, we've got Anthony Tomlins, and these guys are building. Josh Warrington can anchor that. He can make it commercially viable to invest in Yorkshire again. Steffi Bull loves it. You know, all these other guys, Ryan Rhodes loves it because now they've got a platform and they've got a guy that brings bums on seats. You can build stars. Hearn sees the strength in that. The design money is not his money. So he can promise Warrington the earth financially. Look, we'll spend whatever it takes to get you. Because Hearn, Hearn, Hearn needs Warrington in a way that the other promoters don't. He needs legitimate world champions because deep down he's in competition with Delahoy. But look at what he's bought in Josh Warrington. He's bought a fighter that no other promoter really wants. But he's bought a guy that he can't make the fights with. He doesn't control Warrington's future now. He has to go cap in hand to Bob Arum to make a unification fight or Al Heyman. And what are those guys going to do? They're going to tell him, give us that DAZN money. Because it's an active ploy. And I've been told De La Hoya's in on it as well. Let's, let's ruin Eddie Hearn. But not so much that DeZone lose faith in boxing, they just lose faith in him. Let De La Hoya become the main guy at DeZone and let's all do business together, kick the Brits out. That's where this is headed. And Warrington was a pawn in that game because now it's going to be really expensive to match Warrington with the other champions or with the other guys' fighters. And that's not going to be Hearn's problem. That's going to be a DAZN problem. Hearn just has to make these fights. And he can go back to DAZN and say, look, I've got you another world champion, but it's not going to be cheap. And they'll open the checkbook out. Fair enough. But that's why Hearn can look so smug because he's won Yorkshire back. He's won the North back, essentially, because Frank hasn't got anyone up North that does numbers. Now Frank's got to go back to the drawing board, and Frank's got to now try and take London over, which he can do because Hearn hasn't got anyone that does great numbers in London either. So we're in this really interesting phase, but let's just stick with Eddie for a second. Now let's applaud the hustle, and let's applaud his ability to, to window dress this as some kind of success, because it's true, he's won Yorkshire back. Fair play to him, you know. It's something that hurt him when he lost it, but he's got it back and that's good. So everyone right now who's rubbing their hands in glee and looking forward to massive fight nights, huge fight nights at Elland Road, the first direct arena, here's my question. 
Who's he going to fight? Who's Josh Warrington realistically going to fight? Now I keep thinking. Nah, not him. Nah, not him. Yeah, I see your point, but definitely not him either. The point I'm making is, of all the names you want Warrington to fight, it doesn't look like Hearn can make those fights. It just looks like it's beyond the reach of Hearn unless he spends silly money, which is possible, but not prudent. So if you look at it realistically, you're looking at Jazza Dickens. If you just go down the IBF list, you're looking at guys like Jazza Dickens, Kid Galahad, Ryan Walsh. But I think Walsh is tied up, isn't he, in the golden contract? Or is that Liam Walsh? One of the two. Jazza Dickens, I have no idea where Jazza Dickens is. I know he's in America for a bit, but I have zero idea where he is or what he's doing. And I don't think the boxing public particularly care. And that leaves Kid Galahad. But Galahad's just had a fight. Warrington, from, from what I know, is still a bit rusty and will need a fight to get himself back in line. And what does that sound like? That sounds like a Jamie McDonald fight, doesn't it? It sounds like they're going to let Jamie McDonald come out of Doncaster, whatever you know he's been up to decorating, whatever it is, he's going to be the guy that fights Warrington. Why do I say this? Which one of Eddie's mates really needs a cash injection at the moment? Maybe lost his Olympian. Maybe lost his heavyweight star and has a gym full of young prospects. So Eddie could give Dave Caldwell that financial boost by putting him in with Josh Warrington. Sell it as a, this is a tune-up fight before the Galahad fight. But what a terrible run of fights. It's not... <laughs> it's not impossible that Josh Warrington's next three fights are Jamie McDonald, Kid Galahad, and Jazza Dickens. That's not impossible. And if Warrington loses that belt, what do you do with him? Well, we'll move him up to Super Feather. To fight who? Scott Quigg. Ah, uh, the big Irish guy with the beard. John O'Carroll? Tevin Farmer. And so you look at Warrington, just like you do with Billy Joe Saunders, and you go, what exactly did you sign for? Hearn can't make the unification fights. Aram doesn't need him. Heyman doesn't need him. They can make enough opportunities for themselves just shunting down their list of contenders because their rankings look pretty healthy at the moment, especially the WBO. So we're back to this point. You guys are all getting hyped about this. This is what you've got to look forward to at Ellen Road. This is what you've got to look forward to at the First Direct Arena. Jamie McDonnell, Kid Galahad, Jazza Dickens, you'll get Ryan Walsh, you might even get Isaac Lowe. You might even get Lee Wood. All of these guys, all these... This is what... 
This is the dog shit people have just signed up for. Warrington's done the right thing. He's got the money. Yeah, I get that. But his career is screwed now. But he's done everything he wants to do. He's upset the odds. Let him become a wealthy man. And if he can eat some of that disown money, he will do. But how many of his fights realistically are going to take place in the UK? How many are going to take place in the US? Zero idea at the moment. What I know for absolute certain is he's not going to get those big fights because Hearn can't beat that, that mandatory stick anymore. He can't. Do not buy for a second Hearn, that Hearn can make the Shakur Stevenson fight because if Frank and Bob couldn't do it, Eddie Hearn definitely can't do it. Not without paying Shakur life-changing money. I think Eddie's generally accepted he can't do business with Al Heyman. I think he knows that door's shut. That's two belts off the table completely. So what do you do? You do what you do with Danny Jacobs. A couple of fights at your natural weight, move you up, look average, who cares now? And so it brings me back to the point that you have a situation where everyone thinks Eddie won and Frank lost. But really... Frank won and Eddie won because now Frank is free to build the next wave without having to worry about big stars and not having to worry about organising big events anymore. Now Hearn's taken on all of this pressure he needed to put on big events and that's what he loves to do. So I think both men are happy because they get to focus on what they do best. And that's my view on it. If I'm Josh Warrington, I think I'm going to come to regret this. But I understand the motivation from the team behind him. There was definitely the desire to increase his income. And increase his income outside the ring. So when you're a Sky Sports fighter, what you're able to get in terms of sponsorship and backing goes through the roof. So fair play to him for that. But do not look forward to big fights. Do not tweet Eddie asking him to fight this person, that person. It ain't happening. Ever. It is not happening because Eddie can't make the fights happen. It's that simple. But as always, guys, appreciate you tuning in. Um, you know, like, share, retweet, comment. You know, always let me know if you agree or disagree because, you know, things like this should be sparking debate. It's, it's my take, and my take is based on, I'd have a couple of back and forths with people I know in the States about the situation, just to really understand it, because it looked strange at the outset, and now, you know, now that I've had a bit more information, I understand why it's strange. But just being realistic, this is where boxing's headed. As long as there's a ridiculous amount of cash in the game, we're going to see these sort of strange decisions. But no, like I said, like, share, Stay in contact, and hopefully this is the start of more podcasts coming soon. Really appreciate you guys listening and tuning in. Have a great day, guys. Thank you. Mm -hmm.